Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. It is day 30 of OSR October. And today I'm going to cover a game that is both familiar in mechanics and probably not that familiar to people as I don't hear that much conversation about it. And again, maybe like yesterday's game, it's the genre. This game is WWII or World War II Operation White Box. This is based on, as you might guess, the White Box uh, role-playing game uh, by Matt Finch. So it is OD&D effectively. And in this game, you play special ops in World War II. This is a complete game with, you know, one book like White Box. And there are multiple adventures set up for it based on different campaigns and such. So I'm going to go through the basics of the book. There's a lot in here. And we'll go from there. I've played this quite a bit. I, we really, really enjoy it at our group. Uh, i got to get back to the table. All right, so. Actually, I'm going to actually read something from the back first. So at the very back of this book, we've got a kind of closing statement from the author. And I feel like an afterword, I guess is what you call it. The book you have just read is a game. WW2, Operation White Box, drops you in the middle of World War II and lets you and your friends play small bands of raiders wreaking havoc behind enemy lines. Look to films such as Saving Private and Ryan, The Dirty Dozen, Band of Brothers, The Big Red One, and Inglorious Bastards for instant inspiration. In doing so, however, we must never forget the brave men and women who actually served during World War II. In this day and age, a wealth of information is available to you online and in your local libraries. And then he goes in to talk a little bit about, you know, how you get information about World War II and also a family member that served. This game, I'm just going to put this up front, this game donates a portion of the print sales to uh, veterans uh, services. And the author really seems to be legitimately somebody who cares about uh, the military in that way. So... Just so you have that, and I can respect that myself personally. Okay, so again, we're based on White Box. It's got a lot of... Uh, I'm just going to flip through the book as usual. All right, so we have starting the game. Talks about rule number one. Talks about the dice. So again, this is a game... And I guess I mentioned that only because I've noticed that some games I've been looking at, there's an assumption that you know how to play an RPG. This one, you could start from scratch. It kind of goes into what is an RPG. Talks about the intel, the attributes. They use the standard White Box... Uh, minus one or plus one basic, but they also have an optional rule to have what is effectively what I call the BX stats, up to minus three to plus three if you want to do that. You have, it talks about special forces that you can roll or pick a, a nationality, and then you've got a profession that you were doing obviously before you were uh, recruited or, or joined the military. Then you've got your military rank. Now, it does talk about who's in charge, uh, because this is a special forces unit, it's not, and it's going to be mixed. It's it doesn't talk. It doesn't mean that if you roll the highest rank, you're in charge, right? It kind of says you don't have to worry too much about that. There's no alignment. Um, you know, it's assumed in the game that the allied forces are the quote good guys. Starting gear is your basic military gear. The referee gives you what you need because again, if you were in a military unit, that's what it would be. And right here at the beginning, he talks about gender roles, which I think is important. It, to summarize, there's a whole page on he talks about how women actually were active in World War II, but generally the American military, if you're in that, um, we're not having 
female infantry soldiers. But of course, it's a game. You know, do what you want, what your table feels is the best options. And we've generally allowed that, you know. Going from there, you've got, uh, let's see, character abilities. We've got the classes. So we have the Charmer, the Combat Engineer, the uh, Grunt, the Maquis, which is a uh, actually a, a female-gendered uh, class, actually. Uh, the Sniper. And, by the way, through this, I uh, it's called Sarah. I discovered this uh, graphic novel, I guess you would call it, called Sarah, that's based on um, Russian female snipers in World War II. So it's a, if you're interested in comics, it's actually pretty cool. I'll see if I can find a link and put it in there. Uh, there's a tactician, the wheel man, and the uberlofer, which I think is a Nazi like turncoat. So they're they're on the, the Allied side, if I remember right. And then this is pretty fun. There's a, there's an optional section in here where you can decide how you want to do hit dice. So the traditional hit dice is a d6, I believe. Yeah, four hit points like white box. But you can do heroic where you use a d10. Or you can do Inglorious, where you do a D20. So if you want to do like a real over-the-top, you know, punch Hitler in the face, smash Nazis, jump around and, you know, have a much better chance of surviving game, you can actually use a D20 uh, for your hit points, which is kind of cool. Uh, all the classes top out at level 5, because the idea is that by the time you've been in that long, you basically, your your tour would be up. Talks a little bit about that. It also goes into, you know, it has lists of gear. It does it as weight, of course, because for encumbrance, but not prices, because you're going to basically be issued whatever you need so we don't worry about that but we've got lots of different weapons including uh melee weapons that you might uh encounter and even some rules for archaic weapons like bows but of course you got your small arms including uh submachine guns and actually i really like well i don't remember off the top of my head exactly how they work but i remember really liking the uh the, the uh, machine gun rules in this the the rap auto fire i <laughs> Uh, rules and this. I thought they worked really, really well. There's flamethrowers, there's grenades. I mean, anything you would possibly think of for this kind of stuff. Um, it does. So, oh, I'll talk about armor here because there's an armor section. Uh, you know, they literally they do link the armor. Of course, you know, characters here would not be wearing armor, but they have it in here. Uh, effectively, the characters, because they're special forces, they have like a base AC that's a bit higher than a normal un, you know, unarmored person. Uh, the the BDU uh, gives a bonus to that, and I think your helmet. Oh, it it works versus only certain things. So most of your characters in here, I think, if I remember right, they end up with an AC. If you're doing ascending AC of about fourteen, that's kind of like a, a standard. I think you can there's an option to use dexterity as well. Oh, right, here it is, calculating armor class, and then oh, yeah, here it is, armor class for special forces operatives. Uh, they start with a 12 AC instead of a, uh, a 10, and then you and you get one from uh, where you're obviously going to have your uniform on, your BDU. So you're going to be 13 no matter what, 14 against bullets because you have a helmet on, I hope. <laughs> and um, if they use a dex bonus, you can get up to a 15, but nobody has crazy high armor class in this. Um, it does talk about, uh, okay, converting armor classes, then we get into playing the games. So it talks about what you might be trained in, about how time works, surprise, ambushes, movements, how you gain experience points. Obviously, it's not uh, <laughs> it's obviously not through collecting gold. Uh, about recruiting help, you know, bringing in uh, you know friendlies, and, and you know, there's a lot of optionals that are stated that way, like optional rule, gut check, 
Gut check should be reserved for the most dire situation when failure results in serious injury or death. So it says, charging a machine gun nest unscathed through a hail of bullets, picking up three live grenades and tossing them back. So the gut check rule is kind of a heroic rule where you roll a D6 and you have to get under your level, I think it is, equal to or less than their level in order to succeed. So it's like almost like the rule of cool deal, but there's actually a rule here. So if somebody throws a grenade into your, you know, in, into your foxhole or something and you want to throw it back out, this is what you'd use that for. So they've got a little thing in there for kind of the really kind of more heroic stuff, which is pretty cool. Okay, so we have recruiting help, which is basically like reaction rolls. And we also have like trial by fire, which is kind of like a funnel, for lack of a better word, if I remember right. So you can make your characters that way. You basically do one mission where it's just a simple raid and then whoever kind of makes it out and that you enjoy playing is the one you keep. Then we get into the combat round, auto fire, suppressive fire, cover and concealment, fire and maneuver. I mean, this you can get pretty intricate with this. We always played it there to the mind, but I'm sure you could use minis. There's mortars. Uh, static explosives, which is also, you know, if you want to blow up the bridge and all that. We've got damage and death. This is an optional rule that you go unconscious at zero and then uh, you die within one turn if somebody helps you. There's an optional rule that you can take people out with non-lethal damage. And then I actually used this quite a bit. It's not an optional rule, but it does talk about damage. It's a note on cinematic damage. So it talks about the idea that, like, Clearly, you're not getting, like, if a grenade blows up near you and you take damage but it doesn't kill you, you're not probably not chopped up with, with you know, shrapnel. It's more likely that, like, a movie where you kind of blow up and you go flying through the air and it's like, you know, it's an ankle strain or a hurt shoulder and that's why you have, uh, you know, you're not, you're not full of bullets unless you get really, really hurt. There is natural healing, of course. Obviously, there's no clerics. There is first aid, though, that you can do on yourself or on somebody else that heals 1d2 hit points. You can do that during only during combat, and it can only heal damage taken during that combat. There's vehicular combat, strafing runs, damage and destruction. You got stats for vehicles. So we got a whole section of these. I'm just going to kind of flip through. This including tanks, of course, and some airplanes. Uh, okay. That's good. Long distance travel. And then... This gives you a nice gameplay example. It starts on page 69, and it goes all the way to, oh boy, 80. <laughs> so that's like a, what, over 10 pages. That's about a 10-page example of play. And I think that is super useful because it goes through a scenario, the setup, and including combat, it really runs you through, which is very nice. Then we have stats for common NPCs and, and animals, if you want to you know, have dogs track people down. You've got your, you know, allied soldier and, of course, Germans and that kind of stuff. You have horses, snakes. So you do have, like, animals if you want to put that into the campaign. Okay. WWII campaign or WW2 campaign, right? This goes through who's at war. It gives you a little bit of the idea. I mean, it's not a hist full history book, but it gives you a little bit of an idea. Just in case you're not super uh, familiar. It talks about the different theaters. It talks about the different campaigns. Uh, spec you know, tactical specifications, using vehicles, and it goes into the special forces. And again, this is more like in background info to give you an idea of like how this could be played and how it should be played. You know, Hitler's command orders. It really is, you know, it's pretty uh, intensive here. Then there's other styles of play. You could do furlough and shore leave if you want to play around with that. Uh, you could do alternate. Then it gets into the funky stuff. We have alternate dimensions. Uh, Swords and Wizardry and White Star it talks about White Star. Although it's interesting, it has I guess that's because it's in the campaigns. Although it's in the section of other ways of playing, it goes back into this in a second. But there's a page where we talk about 
you could have alternate dimensions and histories where World War II ends up different. You could do it where it mixes with swords and wizardry, and you could do it where it goes into space with White Star. It just kind of briefly talks about it on page 117, but then it gets deeper into it. We'll talk about that in a second. But then, and I think this is super useful, on page 118 and 119, all the ways to, actually, this goes all the ways to, yeah, to 121, so it's like three pages, we have a timeline. January 1933, and then it goes through, you know, June, August, September, it picks out very specific things that are happening. So when you want to run your your adventure, your your scene, you can know what's going on. You want to run it in January of 1942. We have uh, Nazi leaders confer to coordinate the deportation uh, uh, of extremist Jews in German-occupied Europe, right? So this, it's the 1C, 1C conference and the final solution. So this is like a really crappy thing that's going on, right? So in 1942, if you want to play an alternate history, you could basically have your, your player characters make a raid in 1942 in January to try to stop this. So you can have a lot of uh, like historical crossover here, which is very nice. Okay, and then we go into historical historic uh, special forces actions, and it actually talks about some of the operations. Operation Biting, uh, February 1942. Operation Biting was a commando raid on the German radar installation near the farming village of Brunville in northern France. So it gives you in this some actual images here, like photo images. Okay, now we got uh, resistance. Okay, this is okay. This is a, an example, uh, an adventure. So they give you uh, an introductory adventure you can run, which is pretty cool. Well, I think I've run this actually with the bridge. Very nice. It's got an interior stuff. And then we have major factions and NPCs. Oh, and that's part of the adventure. Okay, so you got this adventure. It's... The adventure is... 126 all the ways to 140. So that's what, like a 14-page adventure, if I do my math right? Uh, yeah, about 14 pages. So that's very nice. Then we got a section on mass combat. You know, doing like larger combats. Okay. Talks about artillery support. So this is really, I think, I would never use this part, but I'm pretty sure what ends up happening here. Okay, what characters do. So basically what you do is if you want to plan a mass combat, I mean, you, you obviously could. Maybe it tells you to do this. You could play it out as like a find a WW2 war game that does that, that battle, right, and play it out. Or you can just know what happened. Obviously, we know the history. And you can just insert the player characters to do something during that combat, which is kind of fun. All right, achieving victory. And then we come into the mini settings. So the first one has, uh, well, this this uh, this image has like like this Nazi tank in space. And then we've got this like like robot Nazis. And you've got this uh, GI. He's a captain. Looks like he's got a captain running through with a Tommy gun with like an old school Captain America shield. And we get into the settings. So mini setting, Nazis, super science. The Nazi super science setting focuses on experimental technology designed by German army. So you can play that kind of a setting. Mini setting, Nazi occult. You could do this for people who like, you know, your occult stuff, your werewolves, your uh, Cthulhu, <laughs> I guess I'm assuming. I don't see any Cthulhu here. Sorry. And then you got, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's even including magic. We've got mini setting Galaxy War, 1939 Space Operations. So this one is where he does a crossover with uh, with White Star. And I think that's basically it. Then we go into the afterward that I talked about before. 
Okay, so that was Operation White Box. Like I said, I'll put links to where you can pick this up on Drive the RPG, and some money does get donated to veterans, which is pretty cool if you pick it up. So that's awesome. It looks like there's also a free version. So if you don't have the funds and you just want to try the game, you can pick it up for free. I'm just kind of quickly looking at it here. Looks like they've got, so I'm looking at the modules, right? We've got Norway Ablaze, Desert Raiders, Normandy Breakout, Allied Missions 1, Liberty at Gurreville, Common Vehicles of WW2. So you've got Stalingrad on fire. There's a lot of support for this. There's tons and tons of stuff out here that you can pick up for this. And obviously looking at any, if you have like, if you're a war gamer and you have any of these like small package war games that have like a single battle, you could totally play out, you know, those like part portions of the battle very more specifically by using this for your soldiers. If you've ever played this game or you're interested in it, or you just have something else to say, you can reach out to the show. There is a link in the show notes where you can reach me using the anchor page. You could also join my discord link also in the show notes. If you want to support the channel, you can check out my Patreon, also in the show notes. Tomorrow is the last day of OSR October, and I guess we're going to see what we've learned, or if I've learned anything. I guess we'll find out.